You can probably think of someone in your life that has a hardened heart. Here's a thought from Pastor Ed Taylor. Some of you can say this with absolute certainty. You've tried to reason with them. You've tried to beg them. You've tried to convince them, and they won't listen. As a matter of fact, it seems like their hearts get harder, and they don't get closer to God. They're farther away. They're, they're, they're even that sense where you go, I don't know if I want to say anything because I don't want to push them away. Well, it's not you that pushes them away. Their hearts are hard, and only God can melt the hardened heart. And it's impossible for us to convince a person that's determined to rebel against God to repent because that alone is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. You probably share this common experience of having read a book and totally missed the point the author was intending to convey. Pastor Ed Taylor believes that happens quite a bit when people study Hebrews chapter 6. The primary message here is don't go backwards. And that's a warning we need to hear today. So let's lean in and take it to heart on abounding grace. It is possible for you to make a choice to walk away from the joy of your salvation to turn away from enjoying the presence of God. Often we will call that backsliding, but you can call it whatever you want. It is possible for you to choose to live a disobedient life. It is possible for you to choose to rebel against the God that loves you. It is possible for you, to, that's why the Bible tells us, and John, John will tell us in 1 John, keep yourselves in the love of God. On the one hand, you have God and his power and his sovereignty. That as a believer, you are in his hand and no one can snatch you out of his hand. That, that you are safe and secure as you abide in Christ. Yes. And on the other hand, we can make some really foolish mistakes and foolish sinful decisions that will take away the enjoyment, the enjoyment of the love of God and live a rebellious life and suffer the significant consequences, as well as those people that are around you and love you, the consequences of rebellion. And the essence of the text today for the Hebrew Christians then and for you and I today is don't choose disobedience. Don't go backwards. It will not lead you to what you think is there. Don't do it. That's the stern warning. But the reality that you can make bad decisions and walk away from the love of God, of course you can. Does that mean God doesn't love you anymore? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that you will live a miserable life until you come to the end of yourself, which reminds me of one of the most popular parables that Jesus ever taught. We commonly refer to it as the parable of the prodigal son. Which we could rewrite that title, couldn't we? Because that title's not in the Bible. We could rewrite it, the, the parable of the prodigal sons. Because he actually had two boys 
that were struggling in their relationship with dad. But actually, a careful reading of the scriptures would say that we have to title that parable completely differently. Because it's actually not about the sons at all. It's the parable of a father's love. And to summarize the father's love, you know, to summarize that parable, you have a dad with two sons. One of the sons decides, I don't want to live with you anymore, dad. I don't like the rules. I don't like the way it is here. I want my inheritance now because the bright lights of the city are tempting me and there's things that await me and I want to take off. And so what does dad do? Gives him his request. Remember what the psalm said? And the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, he gave them their request, but what? Sin leanness into their souls. He gives them the request. He goes in, the kid goes into the city. Man, he's got a lot of new friends. He's got the party lifestyle. Things are going well until his money ran out. And when his money ran out, his friends ran out. And when his friends ran out, a famine hit the land. Worst timing for this kid. And instead of humbling himself, he took a job. And he took a, a real difficult job feeding pigs. It was not only below what his capability was, the consequence of his decision now is that his job was now leading him into more disobedience. It wasn't for him to be around pigs on clean animals within the religious system that he lived. It was a miserable life. And in that misery, he came to the end of himself. And he decides, you know, it'd be better just to go home as a servant. I'd have a better life as my dad's servant let alone a son. And it was through that brokenness that he comes home and what happens is dad meets him, hugs him, throws him a party. But some of you I know with the love of the parents that you have and the prodigal kids that are a part of your life, some of you have questioned, why didn't the dad go after him? Because we always read the Bible, and uh, I mean, we often read the Bible like, well, you know, if I was the dad, I would have gone after him. Well, what is it about the inspired word of God of Jesus where the dad didn't go after him? Keep that in mind, because that is what happened. The dad waited for him, but didn't go after him. So notice now, with that in mind, come back to verse 4, and let's read again in the beginning, it is impossible it is impossible. What is impossible? Jump down to verse six. If this group of believers fall away, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. What is impossible? Well, I believe this is teaching us. It's impossible to follow Jesus to fall away from Jesus, it's impossible to return to him to repent in your rebellious state. It's impossible. While you choose rebellion, repentance will not reside with rebellion. It's either or. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 11, verse 23. He who is not with me is against me. And it is impossible to bring a person to repentance with a hard heart. That's why you know, some of you can say this with absolute certainty. You've tried to reason with them. You've tried to beg them. You've tried to convince them. And they won't listen. As a matter of fact, it seems like their hearts get harder. And they don't get closer to God. They're farther away. They're even that sense where you go, I don't know if I want to say anything because I don't want to push them away. Well, it's not you that pushes them away. Their hearts 
are hard. And only God can melt the hardened heart. And it's impossible for us to convince a person that's determined to rebel against God to repent because that alone is a work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You and I cannot do that in a person. You're listening to me right now and your heart is hard toward God and yet he's pricking your heart to the place to return to the Lord. The word of the Lord to you is to return. You are that close. Don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Don't die in that condition. Here's the heart of Hebrews 6, I believe, this section. Don't turn away from God. Don't do it. That's his word then, and that's his word today. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is of utmost importance. Press into him, not away from him. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't slide away. It's almost as if the author is saying, I beg you, press into the things of God and don't compromise. It will not lead you into a softer heart, but it will harden your heart. Because the backslider, the rebellion, the rebellious one, the one that's turned away, the one that's fallen away. And by the way, you Bible students, you can circle that word fall away and you can just write, to, write next to it, not apostasy. Because there is a word that's used in the New Testament to refer to apostasy. It's the Greek word apostasia. That's not the word used here. The word used here to fall away means to err or to stumble or to make a mistake. If, if you have made the mistake of turning your back on, if you have walked away from his love, if you have turned your back on him, it's impossible to renew you to repentance until you come to the end of yourself. We need to be praying for you. The backslider no longer enjoys the presence of Jesus in their lives, no longer lives in his love. No matter how much love and how much care is given, he or she still refuses to repent because their hearts are hard. And tragically, they are harming the cause of Jesus Christ in the earth today, his mission, bringing confusion to so many people, hurting others through their sin, destroying families, jacking up their kids. It happens every day of every week of every month until the coming of the Lord. It happens. And the warning today is don't. Don't shame the name of Jesus Christ by living a hypocritical life. Notice the words. Notice the words in verse 6. He says, since they crucify again, and then the, themselves the Son of God, crucify again, and then the phrase, put him to an open shame. Those words also in the tense of the Greek could be literally translated in the English because they're in the present, the present participles. They could be translated in the English while they are crucifying the Son of God and putting him to an open shame. Because that's what the backslider does. For the audience, here's what he's saying. If you go back to Judaism, remember I've been telling you this and preparing you for it. Going back to Judaism doesn't make biblical sense and it doesn't make practical sense. And they both overlap. 
Because Judaism and all of its sacrifices and all of its joy of religious activity that God prescribed was pointing to one thing and one thing only, the coming of Jesus Christ, Messiah. That when he came, he fulfilled all of the law. He's the fulfillment of the law and the religious system so that in him, you and I have everything that we need for life and godliness. All that we need is found in Jesus Christ. So for those that were having a faith in Jesus Christ to go back to Judaism to trust in the sacrifice of animals, the bloody system of sacrifice, to trust in the formalism and the religious activity, if they were truly going back to Judaism, what would it do? Point them to Jesus again, which then they would be called to embrace as Messiah. And so that if they went back to the system of Judaism and went through the rituals, Paul is saying, you will not find forgiveness there. It's even worse. While you're in the system, it's like you're putting Jesus back on the cross every time you offer an animal. Every time you offer a sacrifice, you're like crucifying Jesus all over again. You're putting the cross of Calvary to open shame because he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's once and for all delivered. He is once and for all crucified. So go back to the old life and the old system of operating, offering sacrifices for sins would be in effect saying that Jesus' death didn't matter every time they did it. And he's pleading with them to see the significance. Paul's saying they could never be brought to repentance in that system. As long as they were in that place, treating Jesus Christ in such a shameful way, repentance wouldn't take place. They'd have to be broken. In other words, the writer's saying that if they do retreat back to Judaism, all the religious repentance in the world will do them no good. It's only when they stop disgracing Jesus in this way that they can be brought to repentance and renew their relationship with God. He describes it in verse 7. He says, The earth that drinks in the rain and often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God. When you're fruitful, you enjoy the blessings of God. But notice in verse 8, if it bears thorns and briars, if there is just thorns and difficulties and there's no fruit from your life, then it, it's rejected. We know that's going to happen at the Bema Seat of Christ, where the very motives of everything we did will be tested by fire. God does not receive our good works. He doesn't receive the thorns and the briars of our own good efforts in order to receive forgiveness. It's only hum humble repentance that God honors. And notice, not only is it rejected, but emphasize that word, it's near to being cursed. Not being cursed, it's near. You're heading in the wrong direction. Don't go back. Stay in the fruitful place of drinking in the rain. You don't want your end to be burned. As the ground that bears good and bad, herbs are useful but thorns and briars are not. F.F. F. Bruce put it this way in his commentary, and I quote, Our author compares those believers who persevere in faith to fertile ground, which produces fruit, while those believers in whose lives the fruits of righteousness do not appear are compared to land, which will never produce anything but thorns and thistles to be kept down by burning, for our God is a consuming fire. And so the good news of salvation is refreshing, and it's glorious to those who realize it's not based on our good works. 
You can't go backwards to anything other than the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. He alone is the author and finisher of salvation. And there is no mixture of any works, good or bad, from you or me. That we need to stay moving forward. That the temptation to go backwards, now I know most of us aren't tempted to go back to Judaism, but many are tempted to go back to a life that will lead to disaster, to destruction. It will wipe you out, and it'll wipe your family out, and your friends. It'll be a, bring a shame and dishonor and disgrace to the name of Jesus Christ. That's the essence. And for those that spend time arguing on this section, that is often missed. The warning, don't go backwards. That's the word of the Lord to us. Now I know not everyone will be satisfied with the answers that I shared with you today. But look, stay close to Jesus. Love the lost. Go after the wandering. Pray for the backslider because God is abundantly gracious and ready to forgive. That we do serve the God of the second chance. But there's no need for you to turn away from God in order to learn that God gives second chances. You can just trust in the faithfulness of God. You know, this idea that it's impossible to repent is a very destructive teaching. It doesn't find consistency in the entirety of the scriptures. I'll give you just one example. For those that might still hold to, well, there's only one chance and you'll never be able to repent, I suggest to you to study the life of Peter. Because if there was ever anyone in the new covenant, now, you see, Peter's life covered both the old period of the, period of the old covenant and the new covenant. And sometimes people make Hebrews 6 some kind of new covenant argument, but God is the God of the Bible. And he's a God that loves from the beginning to the end. But Peter, he covers both sides. Because right at the cross of Jesus Christ, what do we find Peter doing? Denying the Lord. I mean, denying without any shame. I don't know that man. I don't know that man. I don't know that man. And it was on that third time that the rooster crowed, just like God, just like Jesus predicted. Now it's interesting that Jesus predicted his denial. So it's going to happen. And then in his prediction, what did he say? And when you return, strengthen your brethren. And so before the crucifixion, Peter denies. And he runs away and flees. Jesus dies. Peter's still living in denial. He's buried for three days. Peter's still living in denial. Jesus rises again from the dead and begins to meet with people. And one of the guys that he meets is Peter. And he looks Peter in the eye. And he says, go take care of my sheep. What does Jesus do with Peter? He restores him. And he tells him, talking about that love relationship, three times he asks him the question. Why? Because I believe he matched and wanted to match, knowing the weakness of our minds. He wanted Peter to have a loving restoration for each of his denials. Away with the thought that you can't come back to the Lord, that your failure is too great, 
that it's too difficult, that it's insurmountable. Please don't allow anyone to take you to Hebrews 6 and say, right here it says it's impossible. Go ahead and give them a Bible study on the topic and share with them the love of God and how he is a God, even in the old covenant. Remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 84 verse 6? He says, rejoice the soul of your servant for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications because in the day of my trouble, I will call upon you and you will answer me. In those times we're in trouble, even when we bring the trouble upon ourselves, the days we're in trouble, we call upon him and what does he do? He hears us. But as long as you live in a hardened state and as long as you resist and rebel, you put yourself in an impossible situation, in a difficult dilemma. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. That Jesus Christ, you know, we look at a difficult passage and sometimes we camp on difficult passages, but aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful? that there are many passages in the Bible that are easy to understand. And the one that's so easy to understand has everything to do with your spiritual life. It's a very common passage. It's, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the good news in one verse the love of God, the fallen condition of your life met together by sending his son Jesus Christ to live, die, and rise again so that now by your choice, your volition, your belief opens the door to God's abundant, eternal salvation. And that is God's invitation to you today. Church of Jesus Christ, don't go backwards. Those of you that have never surrendered your life to Jesus, today's the day. And that God would move upon us in such a way that notice, verse 9, he says, Beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. We're confident of these things that you'll avoid this things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. And so who is exhibit number one? Abraham the man who failed many times. It's a beautiful thing to persevere in the strength of the Lord and inherit the promises that God has for you. Because you know what? God is not just the great promise giver. He's also the great promise keeper. And I'm grateful for his keeping power in our lives. Amen? Don't go backwards. That's the great takeaway from Hebrews chapter 6. And this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. 
Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. Our friend in the ministry, Pastor Skip Heitzig, has a great book that we'd like to get into your hands, and it's our featured resource this month. It's called How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. Maybe you find it difficult to study the Word, aren't getting a lot out of it, or enjoying it for that matter. Well, in his friendly, relevant style, Pastor Skip provides wonderful, simple-to-use tools to help you enjoy Bible study. And we'll send it your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. And thank you for your support, as it allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. How has Abounding Grace blessed you? We want to hear. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.